Canto 18 finds us arriving in the eighth circle of hell. And it begins with a kind of statement by Dante the poet. There is a place in hell called Malbolge. It's this realism of the Divine Comedy saying there's a place called immediately draws us into the reality of this place, state of being, deception, passageway, path, um, aspect of the cosmos, quite as it were, as real as the Milky Way, so far as Dante is concerned. And I think so far as he's inviting us to see it too, this is what the descent is about, perceiving the subterranean, deeper, more subtle aspects of reality. And I think that this eighth circle particularly emphasises this. Um, Malbolge, the place, um, is very fascinatingly shaped. Um, it's depicted as a kind of funnel going down, almost like a giant stadium. Um, you might imagine, I don't know, the Colosseum, which Dante would have seen, or um, a great stadium today with tiered levels upon which people sit. And in Malbolge, um, this great funnel um, is marked by concentric rings, and each concentric ring is a kind of deep valley or valley or bolgia. Um, and in each ring, Dante will see souls who are trapped by a certain kind of, well, broadly fraudulence, um, but it is, this breaks down in numerous, numerous ways. And it's very fascinating how um, this eighth circle of hell takes um, easily the biggest um, chunk of the inferno to explore for Dante. It takes something like a third of um, the uh, inferno to explore. Um, and it raises the question, you know, what is Dante seeing here? Why does this take so long? Um, he does say that this real place is a, is a very big place as well. Um, he can't count the number of souls in it. He says it's vast. Um, a number of times it's emphasised by the souls themselves um, how many um, people there are trapped in this state. There's more clues given to us by the way it's described as well, because as well as the concentric circles, um, these sort of ringed valleys within which people are trapped, um, there's also a series of pathways and bridges over the top of these deep pits. And um, it does raise the question, you know, why are the bridges there? And the souls are there to be trapped um, in their appropriate circle. Um, but someone, as it were, has thought to put bridges over the top, and Virgil and Dante are going to make very good use of these bridges, um, as we'll see. And I think this starts to suggest that this isn't, well, it doesn't, it, it, what, what this does is it um, invites us into this in-between state, where this is both a sort of real objective place, but it's also a place from which we can view states of mind, states of souls, and so find those states within ourselves too. You know, the bridges, you might say, at least in the first instance, it's not always going to work out like this, but at least in the first instance, they enable us to look at something from above, so as it were, we can keep our mind, keep our consciousness, observe 
relatively objectively what's going on beneath, um, which you might say is in the less conscious, more subterranean parts of ourselves. And I think that's why um, Malbolge is both a real objective place, but also a real subjective place. And Dante's big task, with the very careful guidance of Virgil that's often stressed in the Eighth Circle, Dante's great task is to see the reflections in himself, um, as you might say, the kind of narrow valleys, um, the pockets in his own psyche, where these great evils um, lurk. I should have said perhaps Malbolge means um, evil valleys. Um, so it's both a, um, a microcosm within himself as well as part of the macrocosm that he's visiting in the Inferno um, directly. Um, another really interesting feature of um, Malbolge is that um, these concentric circles moving down um, towards um, the well that's going to take them to the ninth circle and the final region of hell. Um, when you look at it, it looks a bit like a cosmos um, with, you know, presumably um, the sun or the earth at the centre. Um, but of course, this is an infernal cosmos. Um, you know, the, the, the valleys that are orbiting um, aren't planets of life and vitality and they're places of entrapment and eternal destruction. Um, but I think what this is hinting to is that um, there's a kind of order that is containing this evil, even though it is evil. Um, you know, circles, concentric rings um, were thought to be perfect shapes. Um, these aren't kind of jagged, twisted, tormented valleys. Um, they have this kind of order. And again, it for me, it emphasises how um, Dante's almost being presented with a map of the psyche, you might say, a map of his psyche um, that he's been invited to explore. Um, by divine providence, this descent, um, this order now, um, is going to show something um, really crucial to him. I think of it too a bit like um, the spiritual adepts that um, the holy men and women that go into the desert say, um, and you think they go and sit in bliss. Um, because their holiness has already carried them there. But actually, they describe being encountered by endless demons, by torments, by their own frailty, their own failing. Um, that's where the desert takes them internally. Um, they don't go to escape themselves. They go to find more of themselves, um, more of these otherwise unconscious hidden parts, which we lose sight of. Um, amidst the everyday distractions of the world, um, but the spiritual adept knows that they've got to encounter, knows they've got to in some way see and understand and so overcome if they're to know the full divine vision. And I think that Malbolge um, is a region of hell where Dante is being invited to go on this, um, in a way, extra spiritual journey, but it's also the essence of the spiritual journey to see this subtlety in order that the fullness of divine sight and understanding might be able to flower and, and flourish within his soul. So I think that's what this, um, this region of hell is about, what this part of the descent is about, um, the preparedness for the ascent. Um, Dante is going to encounter souls that represent, that have been kind of trapped by, I don't know, manipulating others in life despoiling things in life, exploiting others in life, 
pimping themselves and others in life, um, parading false virtues in life, um, falsifying themselves, others, money, um, the world above, um, profiteering from things. Um, it's, it's this kind of fraudulence that can take place both um, at a kind of external level as someone who's a big figure in society who profiteers and falsifies and pimps, um, but also um, this inner aspect is going to be emphasised as well, um, that we can pimp ourselves, we can profiteer from um, ourselves falsely, and we can exploit um, ourselves to kind of try and get on in the world. Um, but being asked constantly, you know, what damage is this doing to us? How is it taking us away from sight of the divine image within us, and so cutting us off from God, even as we think we're trying to get on in the world often? Um, it's a very subtle thing, um, and Dante's going to try and help us see it. And I think you also see it now in the 21st century um, with the way that the idea of being woke has become weaponized. Um, the way that um, seeing things um, to do with political oppression, victimhood and so on has become a kind of tool to attack others. Um, you see it also in so-called virtue signalling, um, when you display who you are, what you've seen, um, your own, as it were, quiet genius, um, but as a kind of fake, fraudulent activity. Um, another really interesting part of the eighth circle that for me has modern resonance is that this is the circle that's full of demons. We haven't really met demons attacking souls directly yet, um, but in this circle, um, demons are going to be harrowing, um, ha harassing, and um, attacking the souls all the time. Um, and you know, this is a bit like living in a world where um, self-surveillance or indeed public surveillance watches your every mood and judges you, keeps you feeling um, entrapped. You know, we live in a world that every moment of our lives almost can be monitored. Um, and this can both be oppressing, uh, oppressive. Um, you know, I, I think that many medieval people would look at the modern world and think how we lack freedom, even though we tell ourselves we have a lot of freedom. Um, because we're being watched all the time. And of course, this gets internalised as well, that it leads us to watch ourselves. Um, so, as it were, our demons are internal, constantly telling us what to do, what not to do, cracking the whip, um, as demons um, in Malvolge um, do quite literally, um, to keep us um, in line, um, to keep us in our, um, in our dark valley, in our pit. Um, it's not hard to draw correlates with the world in which we live now. And, you know, I've been speculating about how the souls in the um, first seven circles of hell um, describe parts of our world now. Um, but as we come to Malbolge, um, I wonder whether we're going to feel this eighth circle perhaps describes our world now more accurately in its inner state, in its entrapment, um, in its lack of light, in its, its lack of divine sight maybe more accurately than any other. So they step away from the jagged cliffs um, where Geryon had left them and then shot off um, in his speedy retreat. Um, and they move towards the, the first Bolgia. Um, and um, it's said that Dante follows Virgil closely. Um, he's obeying um, his master here. Uh, creates a sense that he knows that he's at some risk um, if he doesn't do that. Um, 
they are able to see um, into the first um, valley, into the first circle, um, and they see that um, there are souls moving in opposite directions in this, this first valley. Um, one um, is walking towards Dante and Virgil um, down beneath them as they themselves walk um, around um, at the top of this, uh, this first pit, this first circular valley. Um, and then the other are walking in the same direction as Dante and Virgil, so they're not able to see who they are at first, and they can't spot any faces. Um, it's really interesting how this motion is described, these kind of two lines walking um, in, in this fashion. Um, Dante says it reminds him of the Jubilee in 1300 in Rome. This was the first time the church had declared a jubilee, which meant that if you travelled to Rome or saw holy sites, visited holy places, did holy things, you would be freed from your sins. So it seems like a good thing, but it's been echoed here in hell. And Dante is saying that something about the way these um, crowds are moving down here in hell um, that reminds him of that. I mean, it, it, some of the commentators speculate that Dante actually saw this because um, there's the bridge across the Tiber. Um, that leads you towards St Peter's, um, the great basilica, where any pilgrim in that jubilee year would definitely have gone. Um, and it's said that they, the crowds were organised, so many people came. So on, on one side of the bridge, they walked in one direction towards St Peter's, and then on the other side of the bridge, they walked away from St Peter's. There's something a bit chilling about this now. Um, is he hinting at a kind of manualised Christianity, a kind of automated um, spiritual quest where you just as it were performed a sort of checkbox exercise and said you'd visited here you'd done that you said these prayers you touched the bones of that saint um, you know the risk is that um, out of um, a good desire a jubilee can actually take people away from themselves by telling them that this is what they have to do and so stopping um, them looking with inside themselves and really understanding themselves, um, even to the point where they perhaps risk finding themselves in hell unawares because they never knew themselves having just followed the rote instructions of the church. You know, I think this is a real risk um, that um, uh, the church so controls people that it turns them into kind of serried ranks of mindless crowds. Um, just doing the right thing because the priest says them to, but never really doing the personal reflection, never doing the difficult thing of looking into the darkness of their soul, um, which is the precursor to genuine transformation, um, which doesn't mean being condemned in the sort of the, the literal uh, naive sense. It means, um, in Dante's view, I think, that they don't see um, all of themselves and so are not able to see and understand all of the cosmos and so finds the divine light um, within them, um, unalloyed and pure. Um, that's what this journey is really about. Um, it's sort of the, the opposite extreme of anything that's manualized and ordered from um, ecclesiastical authorities, even if they do it with good intentions. Um, they can genuinely risk, I think, people's chance for salvation, for flourishing, um, because people get fixated on following the rules um, what William Blake later was called to call the wastes of the moral law. Something of that element is being caught, I think, 
um, in this eighth circle of hell, and particularly in this first Bolgia, um, as they, they look in and see these lines moving. They're being harassed by devils, um, uh, flying in, cracking whips, they've got horns, these devils, and they have their first encounter with a soul um, that tells us what this first group of souls have been caught by. Um, Dante sees a face he recognises, and at first the soul looks down and wants to remain anonymous. He doesn't want to be seen. Um, I actually think that's a bit of a sign of hope, um, that uh, he's recognising his own shame, his own embarrassment. Um, but Dante names him. Um, he's called, um, yeah, Venedico. And um, he is um, was known for having... Um, pimped his sister. Um, he sold um, his sister to a marquis in order to gain, uh, to get on in the world. Um, you know, a truly hideous thing to have done. And so this first group of people that they see are the pimps, are those who sell others for their own um, benefit, particularly, particularly, um, you know, sell others for sexual gain. Um, but there's also this sense of kind of pimping yourself. Um, how much do you sell yourself um, in order to get on in the world? And I think that that kind of connotation is there immediately for us to start to reflect on as well. Um, Dante and Venedico have a fairly brief exchange. Um, uh, and, and Venedico um, asks to be remembered, in fact, um, when he hears Dante calling out after his initial shame um, he says that Dante's voice from the world above uh, reminded him of that world above, as it were, half reminded him of the light. So he wanted to make a confession about what he did. Again, even in these very dark places, there's often, I think, these hints of hope um, that something, for Venedico at least, might be possible to change, even though now his soul is in this kind of regimented, ordered, devil-tormented um, valley um, of the eighth circle of hell uh, where he's um, living with um, the pimping of his sister in life and presumably all the ways that um, he pimped others and others and himself too. Dante sees that and uh, after the brief exchange says that he he hurries back to Virgil um, you know has he caught an echo in himself um, of having sold himself in some degrading way or maybe even sold someone else and in a degrading way remember he's a poet he would have written about others um, did he exploit others um, in order to make a point pimp them in that way it's not said explicitly but it makes you wonder um, what had shocked Dante um, in his first sight of Benedico and the other souls um, in the eighth circle of hell so he rejoins Virgil and they um, he says turns right um, I don't think this is meant as a great um, many steps turning right and they're still basically following the line of the descent um, but nonetheless whenever we hear this phrase turned right it, you know you've probably got it by now and um, they're going into their own darkness a bit they're moving away from the straight path the narrow path um, but I think in order to see something and what this turning right enables them to do now is to step up over the first bridge so if you can imagine they climb, I think of them a bit like Roman bridges um, over um, rivers, um, rather uh, sort of stone constructed arches. 
um, and they, they rise up and walk up one side of the bridge, reach the top of it. And then Virgil says, look, have a look down now, because now you can see um, the faces of the souls walking in the other way um, uh, in, these, uh, uh, in this first uh, valley. Um, the ones which were walking away from Virgil and Dante on top of the bridge, they can now see them coming towards them. And here um, they see um, seducers, um, in a way the kind of opposite of the pimps, um, the people that seduced others in life, particularly sexually. Um, and there's one character who stands out for them too um, in this second group, um, and it's the mythological character of Jason, Jason who retrieved the golden fleece. And it's very interesting they see Jason here, um, because he's also actually going to be remembered uh, rather well in Paradise. And I wonder whether this is um, suggesting to us that people can have different aspects, they can have different parts. It's almost like part of them can be in hell, whilst another part of them is in Paradise. Um, the psychotherapist in me um, sits up in this because um, a very common model um, that's used to describe inner life now in psychotherapy is to talk about um, part objects which populate our inside. Um, and this is, you know, one part of us that feels life's good, one part that feels life's bad, and one far, part that can love others, one part that is greedy, you know, that maybe um, suffers from some of the things which Dante and Virgil are seeing now. Um, and it's almost like Jason in hell is just one part of Jason, whereas there's also going to be a Jason at least remembered in paradise, um, going no further than that at the moment, but nonetheless a little sort of flash of hope here too. Anyway, the Jason that they see in hell um, is particularly the Jason who seduced a woman called Hypsipyle, um, and um, he seduces her on his travels. She become preg becomes pregnant, and um, she's left with their son. That side of Jason's complex character, um, again in this kind of map of the psyche, hinting that we too might have complex characters like him. They finish their crossing of the bridge, and it says that almost immediately they're into a, onto the second concentric valley um, in the eighth circle. Um, this is a canto that has two um, of these um, bulgia, these two domains in the eighth circle. Um, you know, a sense of sort of seeing things quite thick and fast here now, um, creating a sense of the density, um, the complexity of um, this more subtle parts of ourselves, these more subtle sins, these more subtle entrapments, um, that we haven't quite got the space, you might say, to see so fully at the moment, um, having only now sort of first encountering them, uh, things are going to slow down as Dante, perhaps as we, get kind of used to seeing more nuance um, with these um, deeper states of mind. But they come to the second valley and um, they can't actually see into it, um, but there's a terrible kind of stink coming up from it. Um, and they, so they walk over the second bridge um, that um, is over the valley, conveniently there for Dante to see um, what's beneath, um, as it were, what's in, in the deep recesses of the earth and the deep recesses perhaps of his soul. Um, and they see that it's full of, um, well, it's you know, nothing short of supernatural shit, in fact. Uh, Dante says it could have come from our own latrines um, and people are buried to various degrees in this infernal excrement. Um, and a stink uh, makes them cover their faces. Uh, that the souls there are, are said to be sort of slapping and hitting each other. 
um, it's a truly hideous kind of state. Um, and these are souls who flattered in life. Um, these are the flatterers. Um, it reminds me a bit of Freud's observation that gifts are often like shit. Um, he made the analogy directly. Um, he thought that comes from um, parts of our early life, um, you know, where um, we, as it were, give a gift in order to get something back in return. Um, this kind of uh, way that gift-giving cannot be free, it can be fraudulent. Um, and these souls now are depicted as, I think of them as those perhaps who, you know, speak in superlatives all the time. Uh, they're the ones that when you offer um, a piece of writing, um, you know, as I do um, in life, and the editor comes back and says, this is just wonderful, this is tremendous, this is so important. Um, I'm so glad that you sent it to us. And yet all the while you know that they're about to say, but we can't, we can't carry it, I'm sorry, we haven't got it. Um, it's that kind of flattery. And it, it's so um, damaging because after a while you can't tell what's true or false anymore. Um, you know, if everything comes to you, either a kind of pitch of perfection until it's just completely dropped, um, you can't learn, you can't discern, you can't improve, you can't understand. And that's why this kind of flattery is so terrible. Uh, Dante sees a face that he recognises. Um, it's the face of um, Alessio Intervini. And um, at first, again, Alessio doesn't want to be looked at, um, but uh, Dante uh, can, can command him to speak, and so he looks up. Um, and then they also see um, a, a mythological figure, the, the, the figure of um, Theus, um, who is um, a prostitute, a whore, um, but she's one who uses her beauty and her charm to control others. Um, she is not a victim at all. Um, so she's a kind of flatterer in another way, um, have made deception her way of life. And so they have quite a brief encounter with these two souls um, to understand just that little bit more um, about um, this state of mind. Um, but we're now towards the end of the canto. Um, Virgil says to Dante, you know, we're getting off the bridge now. Um, we mustn't stay here for too long. Um, I think this is saying that, again, Dante's only just kind of getting used to encountering um, this different state of mind um, and Virgil um, wants to press on so he doesn't become too sort of fascinated by it um, and so risk occluding um, the light side of the soul um, which is the ultimate purpose of their journey. Um, so we're left at the end of this canto um, with as it were the smell of shit um, in our minds um, individuals who have been trapped by flattery, trapped by pimping, trapped by seduction. It's an appropriate entree for Dante now engaging with this strangely ordered um, uh, but nonetheless um, powerfully corrupting part of hell and the human psyche.